What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Renegade Jukebox on the Renegade Pop Culture Podcast Network. My name is Mike. I'll be your host for this evening. Joining me, as always, is Nick. No vocal intro this time, because A, I don't dare attempt the vocal shenanigans on this album, So, and B, all I'm really going to say is, thankfully bands aren't putting out an album a week anymore for the rest of the year, because God, my wallet hurts. <laughs> oh yeah, this year has been insane for metal, and we're jumping on to talk about probably my contender for album of the year this is Lorna Shore's Pain Remains now this is their fourth studio record which is kind of crazy to think about because even though the band has been really popping off over the last like year or so they've been around since I want to say 2009 is when they started yeah and they initially started more as kind of a metalcore kind of thing and then eventually with, uh, to kind of just give you a little bit of a non-Wikipedia, Wikipedia entry intro, after Tom Barber leaves the band, this is where we kind of have to enter in a little bit of awkward territory because Lorna Shore have had a really rough couple of years and have had a lot to prove. Um, just to kind of keep things generally kosher, um, I'm just going to quote Austin Archie, the drummer for Lorna Shore's interview on the Metal Meltdown. He calls it the that guy era because we don't really want to give this vocalist much press. So let's just kind of leave that conversation at that. But if you've been paying attention to what's happened with Lorna Shore, there were very specific and detailed accusations lodged against Lorna Shore's vocalist at the time that replaced Tom Barber, who did vocals on those first two albums. Literally a month before they were about to put out their last album, Immortal, and literally fired him on Christmas. <laughs> so, that, yeah, that is, wait. that is one way to go. Yeah, exactly. And then COVID happens and the band can't even tour behind this album. So kind of already Lorna Shore have been dealt an extremely shitty hand. And to be frank with you guys, I really did try to jam Immortal before we decided to go ahead and record this. And I honestly could barely make it through it just given all of the extenuating circumstances surrounding their vocalist at this point. I know, Mike, did you try to listen to this? Not recently. I listened to Immortals just kind of casually when the album was released. But then, you know, knowing what I know about like what happened to that former vocalist, I just kind of never returned to that record. Yeah, well, speaking of returning to things, so Lorna Shore, right as COVID was happening during their tour they were doing with Decapitated, they actually had gotten a fill-in vocalist, more specifically the one we're about to talk throughout this episode about, Will Ramos. 
he joined as a touring vocalist and then eventually joined as a full-time member and this is where we get into the really juicy bits of this we can't really talk about pain remains without talking about and i return to nothingness because i really feel like this is kind of a great companion piece to this record basically what what i described to to nick in our group chat is um and i return to nothingness is a really great appetizer while pain remains is sort of its own full course meal yeah exactly actually i've got a really good analogy here it's kind of like the m&m show and eight mile how those two albums for lack of a better phrase, because one's a soundtrack, how those two albums kind of go together really well stylistically, where, yes, you can tell it comes from this same similar era of this band or this artist, but at the same time, it doesn't just feel like Pain Remains is just And I Return to Nothingness, the sequel, or just And I Return to Nothingness, the full album. Because thankfully, they were smart enough not to just be like, ah, fuck it, let's just throw it to the hellfire on there for all the people who just pay attention to that one bit towards the end on TikTok. I mean, it. the great thing is, is that it just doesn't feel derivative. It just kind of feels like a teaser of what's to come. And just bear in mind, as great as to the hellfire is that entire ep is really good uh, i cannot recommend it enough yeah for anyone who's just getting into the band for the first time this is like the best first sample yeah and you almost really could start off listening to lorna shore just by starting with this ep and then jumping into this album we're about to talk about so this basically is pretty much the same production team and almost the same lineup the more obvious point I could make is Michael Yeager on bass. He actually is not a bass player, in case you don't know. He actually learned bass specifically to join this band. Honestly, that's that's pretty metal. Oh, yeah. Like even currently when uh Austin actually had a herniated disc in his back when they were opening for Parkway Drive in Europe apparently he actually learned how to drum in advance of that tour so jaeger is just multi-talented then yeah exactly so it's very obvious that at this point they could just be your standard deathcore band that just plays the breakdowns for all the scene kids who just want to hear suicide silence records over and over again where I really feel like this and and I return to nothingness. This band really just wants to showcase how much talent they truly have. And just spoiler alert, guys, this record is really fucking good. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if, if I can call this a pure deathcore record because there there's influences from just all over the place. It, oh, it absolutely. Is, it is both symphonic melodic there's a little there's a little bit of black metal influence in there there's like a little bit of slam death metal a little bit of prog metal it would be easier to just call this extreme metal or just call it a lorna shore record 
Yeah, but giving it a genre just makes things easier for iTunes and Spotify, I guess. <laughs> Fair. But my thing is, I did not really pay attention to many of the singles that got released for this. I only really heard Sun Eater, knew that they were going to play Lollapalooza with Metallica, and that was really about it before this album. Because my thing is, I really do not like to... I don't like to just overwhelm myself with singles to where I've just heard half of the album before it's even come out. I ge- I'm one of those listeners that just genuinely likes to be surprised by a good chunk of this. And I guess to really start tearing into this record, because by the way, guys, we're not going to go track by track like we've been doing for a good chunk of our album reviews at this rate, because I feel like I feel like we could almost just go, this song's great for this reason. This song's great for that reason. This song sounds like it'll be for the people who loved And I Return to Nothingness and just want that again. Uh, I kind of just feel like just going, here is what makes this record great. Go listen to it. We can do that in a way that um, gives the spotlight to each band member. So, Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think where we need to begin... Let's start with Will Ramos, because damn. Because just first of all, as just kind of as a personality, he just seems like a cool guy. I recommended you go check out that uh, one video metal injection uploaded of him describing how much like longboarding is kind of how like he achieves Zen, I guess. Like, you know, a skateboards, well, longboards. That's really cool. And just kind of him describing the general overall concept of this record, how he was like really influenced by anime and manga. Like, guy just seems like he'd be cool to hang out with. Just saying. Yeah. There's a difference between just hearing him on the record and then seeing what he's like as a person. It's like that with a lot of metal vocalists or like horror directors. They they turn out to be just like the nicest people. Yeah, exactly. And that's one thing that I guess kind of complements his vocals is just that deathcore beyond despite my expression of how much I greatly dislike suicide silence, deathcore beyond someone like Phil from Whitechapel or Joe Bad from Fit for an Autopsy or CJ from Thy Art is Murder or Scott from Carnifex. Deathcore doesn't really have a lot of vocalists that just kind of like have that character and cool factor beyond just being an extremely talented vocalist that can, you know, do really deep guttural vocals. And that and just the fact that he does so much enunciation in the guttural vocals in the shrieks you know one part in into the earth specifically that gets talked a lot about the uh my body my soul that one part of the song where i guess you could call it the chorus like just the way he kind of enunciates the words and just makes it sound more human while sounding as inhumanly done as possible It's kind of great and just kind of just doesn't make him feel like just another tatted up deathcore bro. Yeah, the feel that he displays on this record is, as you put it, inhuman. And yet, I I, I still don't know how he pulls off like some of these vocals. 
to be honest, he kind of reminds me more of Travis Ryan from Cattle Decapitation, if anything. Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair comparison. Not not to the extent of what Travis Ryan does on the more recent Cattle Decapitation records from Monolith of Inhumanity onward, but just kind of the way Travis enunciates words and just kind of makes them actually sound like words coming out of the mouth of this monster vocalist and just doing things that kind of just mixes things up in the genre, like the way Travis does clean vocals. And in this case with Will Ramos, it's him doing, I've heard a lot of people compare him to an orc from Lord of the Rings, which isn't necessarily inaccurate. (laughs) And to kind of go back to that end section of into the earth, it kind of reminds me a lot of Enthroned Darkness Triumphant era Dimmu Borgir in a lot of ways. A lot of this album reminds me of that specific era of Dimmu Borgir, especially in the keyboard sections. Like, like, like I said, they bring in a lot of symphonic and black metal influences. And Dimmu Borgir is like one of the biggest names in that subgenre. When we say that, too, we don't want to kind of give off the vibe that it's derivative of Dimmu Borgir either. It it feels wholly original. It, I've never really heard this be done on a deathcore record. I mean, I, I'm just kind of used to either Pig Squeals, Blast Beats, Death Metal Part, Breakdown, Song. And while a lot of that is all over this record and is going to appease the crowd that just wants exclusively that, not that there's necessarily an issue with that on to some extent. With this album, though, they do enough in the songwriting to make it original. I, yeah, I can agree with that. They, they find this nice balance between like the brutality and beauty, which, again does not sound like something that would uh, mesh together. They find a way to make it work. Yeah, there's no way that a year ago you could have told me that this band would combine deathcore, more traditional death metal, technical death metal, slam death metal, even bits of melodic death metal and symphonic death metal and make it into this amazing gourmet meal and make it sound amazing uh i guess to kind of tear into some more of these songs like especially that opening track welcome back oh sleeping dreamer now that is how you kick off a record and i specifically want to tear into the breakdowns on this thing because this is one conversation i'm gonna have to bring up with you when we were just you know messaging each other back and forth it's kind of amazing how deathcore now can actually be taken seriously as opposed to how it was 10 years ago. Yeah, like, I, I can't even remember the exact point where deathcore became, for lack of a better term, canon under the, the extreme metal umbrella. But yeah, I can say, like, without a doubt, we, we have reached that point with bands like like Lorna Shore, Fit for an Autopsy, Thy Art is Murder. I would actually say Carnifex was really the point where you could actually take this music seriously. 
before like yeah you had bands like despise icon the red cord and all shall perish who were amazing as is but then you really got the hot topic scene kid type shit coming in and overpopulating this stuff and you got some either really mediocre bands like suicide silence and chelsea grin or the outright trash core stuff which has nothing in common with death metal at all like uratilla and emir type bullshit ever since carnifex though put out an album like die without hope and slow death though i feel like they kind of help the genre start to be taken more seriously and i guess that kind of influenced more of the younger bands like lorna shore yeah i think die without hope is a good sort of turning point for the genre and i really bring up this conversation in terms of this opening track because yes there is a breakdown yes it's bombastic and overly heavy and it'll make all the hot topic scene core kids that i just made fun of go nuts and spin kick each other while it does have a breakdown though it doesn't feel unearned it doesn't feel lazy or forced or just like tough guy poser bro shit yeah getting to that breakdown is what makes the song so special like for the first i want to say like either minute or two minutes we we get a like a gorgeous like orchestral intro and then that's when the heavy blast beats and the breakdown come knocking in oh yeah especially when will just lets out that massive wake up bit just two or three minutes into the song it, it again it just sets you up and it just earns it and then it just cuts into a straight up death metal bit right halfway through and you get some absolutely amazing stellar guitar work all over this thing like uh really adam D'Amico and andrew o'connor are phenomenal musicians props to these guys making (laughs) some of the absolute tastiest licks you'll hear on a death metal or a deathcore record all year I guess to kind of just go into favorite tracks beyond just like general favorite moments and things about it. One of my favorite songs on this thing is actually Soulless Existence, which weird enough, I I don't know if you noticed this too, Mike. This thing does not have a breakdown on it. No. In fact, it starts off a little bit more on the slower side, but still kind of keeps that heaviness with like the guitar work, with Austin Archie's drumming and Will Ramos again just kind of delivering at all points yeah again it's I almost kind of wish this got released as a single too just given that (laughs) and believe me guys we will get into the uh three song epic in a minute but I'm kind of bummed that this hasn't been released as a single or hasn't gotten a music video because, man, this really this really does kind of help enhance, I guess, the overall story of this record while just being an absolutely killer track. Agreed. Out of all of the singles that were released, this one sounds like it should have been among them. Yeah, exactly. And another thing that I can absolutely comment about this entire record as a whole is just the lyrical content. I have no idea if it's 
a specific concept album or a loose concept album, but there are certain bits that have refrains and reference other tracks throughout the entire record, which low key, how awesome would it be if in like five years, Lorna Shore just became like a proggy deathcore band, not, not in the vein of like Veil of Maya or Born of Osiris, but just like combined like Dream Theater and Whitechapel. Oh, that that would be cool. Anytime a band like dips into prog, but like actually commits to it, that that's when they start to level up for me. Oh, exactly. Like that. That's one of the things that I really love about this record is that it just kind of throws everything at the wall and it just seems to stick. And in lesser songwriters hands, that wouldn't work. But in these guys' hands, they somehow managed to make these really extreme songs that just sound catchy while at the same time just being like these seven-plus-minute epics. Any tracks that stand out to you in like the first seven that you want to mention? Tracks six and seven, I think, are two of my favorites. Apotheosis and Wrath. Apotheosis has... Again, another great phonic intro with a great use, great use of, um, of a uh, choir along with the strings. It just makes for a great addition to the heavier parts. And then on Wrath, one, one of my notes, I just put WILL in all caps. Everyone on this record just delivers, especially on these two tracks, which are a great sort of like build up to what I refer to as like the three-part epic suite. To kind of go back on what I was mentioning earlier about just how rough the past couple of years has been for this band, it really does feel like they're genuinely like playing their asses off, making every note count and really have something to prove. Like I, I knew Lorna Shore had a really great album in them but i was genuinely not expecting something this great especially when you get to the pain remains sweet who would have thought a deathcore band <laughs> would make a 20 minute song sound as impressive and amazing as I'd really hate to compare it to the Porcupine Tree album that came out this year, but I can't help but think of another genuinely great prog record to really compare it to other than just Dream Theater, Opeth, Meshuggah. Like, wow, (laughs) this thing kind of just deserves to be heard, to be believed. What what I said before about the 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 combination of brutality and beauty that basically defines the suite it repeats lyrical refrains it has musical refrains throughout this entire record it this is just proof kids the way your album flows from track to track it matters so structure your album well listen to it in order for a front to back experience like i am still waiting on my vinyl copy i can hardly wait to hear how this thing sounds like coming through my record player and through speakers because it really does take you on a journey the way a proper prog epic would oh yeah i I bet this is gonna sound amazing on vinyl Oh, and that and the fact that they're playing this to close out 
every show on their sold out tour with aborted ingested angel maker and of sulfur like holy shit this just kind of feels like it's all of the risks that they kind of take on this album they all pay off yeah and to kind of go back to the lyrical content throughout this really does feel like it bookends the album pretty flawlessly when you get down to it i mean the fact that just kind of re- glancing through the lyrics and the liner notes i actually got the cd the day it came out on my birthday it's just kind of impressive that deathcore has kind of evolved just beyond edgy lyrics to offend the parents of hot topic scene kids with to going back to actually just being something i guess more genuine and more well thought out rather than just how many times we can fit the word fuck into a lyric yeah i don't want to sound pretentious when i say this but it it does feel like they are artists just trying to like tell maybe not a complete narrative but they're as much storytellers as they are musicians yeah uh I guess you could technically say that's a fault, I guess, that it doesn't wholly commit to a concept. But at the same time, like, that'd be really reaching to me. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it just kind of shows that how amazing it would be if this band did commit to a concept record and stuck with it throughout an entire record. I really feel like the next record is going to be something worth paying attention to, especially because of these three songs. And that, and just really the fact that this band really does kind of make it feel like it's this triumphant thing, but I guess to paraphrase the metal Triss's review of this album, it also kind of just has this air of sadness to it. Like the, just this air of, we've been through a lot just in the past few years the characters in this narrative have been through a lot as is but it's like you know what fuck you we're gonna come out on top in the end it's hard to throw around this word often for a deathcore record but i have to say it this is a masterpiece yeah exactly i throwing it around too lightly i kind of feel would just be I don't want to oversell this or undersell this for somebody, especially if they're the type that isn't into the growling side of things, that isn't into the guttural side of things. But at the same time, part of me just feels like this is something that I feel like any metalhead would be getting something out of. There's very clear bits that aren't just pure deathcore there aren't bits that aren't just pure slam or just pure symphonic bits and to kind of go back on the symphonic bits to add a little bit it it never feels overwhelming or like it overpowers the other instruments playing yeah it's all it's all seamlessly um infused with the rest of the band like no, nothing nothing feels out of place it all just kind of blends together quite seamlessly yeah and to kind of go back on the lyrical content and everything to kind of tie both together just the last lyric 
And you wouldn't even think that this would be on a deathcore album, but just the album closes out with the lyrics. This is my epilogue, my soliloquy. Take this broken melody straight to the grave. Dancing like flames after all that I've done, I'll salt the earth and disappear in a sea of fire. Like, you would think that would belong on something more like an Opeth album or a Sugar record or if we wanted to be really loose, maybe even a Dillinger escape plan record potentially. But aside from maybe fit for an autopsy, I don't think anybody would have expected this band to write something that poignant to end an album. Yeah. It does kind of feel like uncharted territory for the genre that a band like this could write something this poetic. Yeah. And I don't even really know what else to say, just that I genuinely believe that this is one of the best records of the year, and that was one of the things why we took about almost two weeks to even do a review of this thing was just because I didn't want to, I didn't want to just jump on the hype train immediately, like I'm, one part of me is very cynical, but I'm also one of those big fans of bands I genuinely really like to where I just go I don't want to overwhelm myself with singles or just seem like a fanboy just praising it because I love this band with this record I was like you know what let's live with this first and then put my feelings about it out there yeah it it took me a couple spins to really get to where I stand with the record like obviously the first listen I loved it but I needed to spin it a few more times to really appreciate everything that it had going for it exactly and I guess that's another thing you really could praise about it is just that it has so much replay value oh yeah and like and like I said this is an unskippable record like Sure, you could you could listen to any one of the singles on on their own, but you you have a more a more rich experience if you just play the whole thing front to back. Exactly. It's one of those albums that not one second of filler is on this thing. Like even just for the length, it looks intimidating in an hour one minute and six seconds like yeah you are like yeah that's gonna take out a good chunk of my day but it's a chunk of your day filling up with amazing music and and I kind of feel that it's a journey worth taking despite it's not like a super monolithic experience the way dream theater would doing an almost two and a half hour concept piece but I mean this is a journey genuinely worth taking, especially if most albums you listen to are only like half an hour or 40 minutes. Yeah, I I can agree with that. And plus, just in general, I, I can't give this album high enough of a recommendation, guys. It, it's genuinely worth checking out and it lives up to the hype. I, I don't, I really don't want this to just seem short and like I said in uh, one of our Rise and Squall of Limp Biscuit episodes, I, I kind of run album reviews by Mike. Just if it's something that we genuinely have something to add to the conversation with, 
and really that's why I wanted to cover this Lorna Shore record in particular was just because, well, I had kind of been paying attention to this band and seeing, okay, where are they going to go? Do they have the potential to do a really amazing record anytime down the road? And the fact that we finally got that amazing record just kind of makes it feel like all of the bullshit that they kind of had gone through in the past couple of years, this was the payoff. There's kind of a lesson in the journey that this band has taken that like, despite any obstacles that are in your way, it's never too late to achieve this kind of success. Like no matter where you are in your career or like whatever it is you're trying to pursue, success will come to you eventually. Exactly. And that's, I guess, something that can add to the inspiring aspects of this album. Just that, you know, even if you have all of this adversity kind of going against you, sometimes you got to have those moments where you have to rise to the occasion and be like, I'm better than this. Let's fucking go for the gold. And I really feel like Lorna Shore really did go for the gold with this record. And really, I would really recommend somebody listen to this back to back with And I Return to Nothingness. They they really do go well and well together. I actually listened to both back to back before we went into recording this, honestly. And for real, it just adds to the experience of this especially if you get and i return to nothingness on vinyl just saying oh nice yeah just throwing that out there uh i actually have the etched vinyl with like their cool looking like logo on the back of it it's really awesome so yeah here's a very bright future for lorna shore moving forward yeah and i'm genuinely excited to see what they do on the next record i think the next thing they do is going to be really worth really fascinating and really worth checking out and i don't think many people who i don't think many people like me who saw them opening for carnifex and despised icon in 2017 thought the band that made flesh coffin no offense to that record i don't think anybody really thought that that band would make something this good they they certainly have come a long way oh i i think just deathcore in general has just come a long way like that's why we brought up fit for an autopsy uh the die without hope onward era of carnifex and thy art is murder just because i really feel like deathcore is kind of just again evolved beyond the hot topic crowd yeah Basically, for the past eight years, we, we've seen a lot of maturity from the genre. And I really want to see that continue because, like, these, these four bands that we mentioned will inevitably inspire a new wave of deathcore and extreme metal bands to push the genre even further. Yeah, exactly. And just this year alone, you know, Fit for an Autopsy obviously being previously mentioned. I know a lot of people would bring up Shadow of Intent, but I kind of feel they're more of on the death metal side of things. But throw into the conversation Enterprise Earth's newest record, The Chosen, and the single they released about a month or so ago, Psalm of Agony. 
throw in some more underground bands like Lord of War, throw in a lot of the, I guess you could say, slam deathcore side of things. If you want, uh, I don't personally consider Ingested a deathcore band, especially their last two records in particular. But yeah, if you want to throw Ingested in that category, Vulvadinia within Destruction. it's very clear that deathcore has just kind of evolved beyond again as much as i don't want to dunk on suicide silence the entire time yeah it's clearly evolved beyond that kind of shtick indeed it has uh and, and we haven't gone over favorite tracks so uh I'll let you go first. I guess the pain remains sweet goes without saying because I think we'd both agree that's the best part of this record. Yeah. Um, putting um, the pain remains sweet on a, on the shelf because that's the obvious number one. My numbers two and three are Apotheosis, Wrath, and I guess I'll throw in the, t- the, the opener, Welcome Back, O Sleeping Dreamer. Welcome back, oh sleeping dreamers. Probably my favorite song on this record. That's not pain remains. Uh, throw in solace existence. Apotheosis is high up there, but also sun eaters really good. It, it's very difficult picking favorites on this record. It's just a very likable record. And even though I have my opinions and feelings on the billboard charts because i genuinely don't understand how an album that charts at number 11 on the current album charts only charts at number 150 Hmm. these guys' success is deserved i guess with that said just highest recommendations go jam pain remains by lorna shore even if you're not as big of a death metal fan or just kind of faintly curious i guess i really do feel like there is kind of something for everybody throughout this record despite as i guess as monolithic and intimidating as it could be to an outsider looking in yeah i completely understand if will ramos's insanely inhuman harsh vocals are an acquired taste but if you can get past that the rest of the album has probably some of the best pure musicianship that I've heard in any deathcore record in honestly quite some time. Oh, exactly. It's again, it's one bit progressive metal. It's one bit technical death metal. It's one bit symphonic black metal. It kind of just throws all of that and deathcore into a blender, and then boom, you have this record. So I guess uh, this ended up being way shorter than I expected, <laughs> to be honest. But I get, again, I guess there's only so many times you can go, that thing's amazing about this record. That thing's amazing about this record. Yeah, we have to just let you guys experience this for yourselves. And if you're already big fans of the band, I'm sure by now you have, but... Still, we wanted to pop in and and just throw our two cents in 
Yeah, and but, if any of the guys from the band ever happen to listen to this, your guys' success has been more than earned and deserved despite all of the shit you've kind of gone through in the past couple of years. And you really brought out an album that's amazing. Really excited for the next one. Indeed. That'll do it for this episode. Before we get out of here, Nick, where can everyone find you online? Super Saiyan Death Metal God on Instagram. I post mainly album covers lately, but I also attempted at doing the uh, 31 day Halloween horror challenge from uh, Nightmare on Film Street. But, you know, just either just life takes priority or just, uh, I guess, working on Rise and Squall of Limp Biscuit Part 3 <laughs> can also be thrown into the conversation. But yeah, I mostly post album covers, horror movies, video games, movies, period, I guess, in this case. Uh, and as well, I mod for Catherine Isabel from Ginger Snaps and American Mary on her Twitch page. Go follow her on Twitch and sub to her page. Or if you don't want to sub, I'll probably end up gifting you a sub to her channel. Nice. And you guys can find me on Twitter at CaptainK42. You can check out my quick thoughts on letterbox.com slash CoachK42. And you can follow Renegade Pop Culture on Facebook and Twitter at RenPopCulture. You can also find us on YouTube, on Podchaser, on the Banana Meter. Listen to all of our podcasts on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. And last but not least, everything can be found at renegadepopculture.com. In escape, so do we. That'll do it for this episode of Renegade Jukebox. We will catch you guys later. Peace out. My heart, my soul, my body has grown so cold. Awesome. <laughs>